epic space adventure games. Uh, Ian, I need you to put in some kind of like reverb effect on my voice right there. Epic space adventure game. No, yeah, you don't have to put it in. I did it. Greetings and salutations, board game fans. The Dice Pirates are back with episode 22. This week, we are going to be talking about some of our favorite space-themed games, for when you really just want to take your board game experience out of this world. I'm your Captain Ian, of course, joined by Matt and Aaron. How you guys doing? I'm good, I'm good. Happy to, to, to be back with you boys. Space. The final frontier. These are the voyages of three nerds talking about board games matt is in fact a huge star trek nerd that's something you guys should definitely know about him i'm not going to say what his profile is on a lot of games but it's also extremely nerdy i'm gonna say later in the show uh and i'm not a star trek nerd i'm a star trek the next generation nerd because it's the only good one that just means you're an extra big nerd because i said it full stop which one yeah yeah there's only one true star trek uh what's up guys we're gonna talk about space today we are going to talk about some space games, and you know we'll get into this later. But you know, I there's a I mean, space is such a huge theme, anyways, and so there's a lot of games to talk about. But we just kind of want to bring out some of our favorite ones. Before we do that, though, we're going to move into our soapbox topic. And Matt, you said you're going to very quickly chat about Board Game Arena. Yeah, I am going to very quickly uh, chat about Board Game Arena. Uh, Board Game Arena, it's real fun. I've been playing it lately, and I like it. There, that was brief. I did the whole thing. You happy now? <laughs> that was was good podcast listening, wasn't it? Let's move, <laughs> let's move on. Let's keep the ship going. We got to get this thing into port. The tariff fees are going to be huge if we don't get this shipped into the dock. <laughs> All right, you can keep going if you want. Okay. I'll allow you another couple minutes. Okay. Thank you, Captain. He runs a tight ship around here, all you listeners. I don't know if you uh, know. During the uh, pandemic days, uh, the height of the, uh, I guess we are still in a pandemic, during the, the height of the lockdown, uh, the Dice Pirates crew experimented with playing board games together uh, online, like m- many of us did, to try to keep the hobby going and to keep our game group together. And we all gave Tabletop Simulator a whirl at that time. And Tabletop Simulator is, uh, um, gosh, what's a, what's a nicer way of saying hot garbage? I don't love Tabletop Simulator. I don't love the idea of converting the entire physical experience of the board game into uh, little digital assets that you move around with your mouse like you do a hand. I mean, that's about, that feels very novel. Uh, it's some far future world where you all have like virtual reality like gloves on. Like uh, Maybe that would be fun to like throw the dice and pick up the virtual cards. But trying to do that with a mouse is just awful. And the very first time tried to play tabletop simulator and dropped a card off of my virtual table into the void of nothing and it fell away into the internet i was just like this is i hate this i don't like this experience at all so that sort of put me off on these kind of adaptations of games but board game arena is totally different experience uh it's not trying to recreate physical pieces it's actually taking board games and adapting them into quasi video game like form they still feel true uh, to their roots as board games. It doesn't feel like you're playing a video game, but they're also not so like trying to simulate like things like picking up and putting down cards or physically rolling dice. It's a lot of fun. It's a great little interface. It's easy to find and match with people to play. Don't have a whole lot more to say about it because I'm still pretty new to playing it. I've played three games on it. I've played uh, Splendor a good bit and discovered that uh, I'm not good at Splendor very bad at Splendor, in fact, apparently, because uh, the, the people who play Splendor on Board Game Arena will, will smoke you, like, super hard. Uh, I played Castles of Burgundy, one of my all-time favorite games, and actually did really well uh, in my uh, first attempt playing it. But this is where you run into some, like, little quirks when you're trying to learn the interface. Uh, Board Game Arena, not every game is, like, super intuitive, I couldn't figure out how to claim uh, my bonuses for completing regions first. And so I missed out on a ton of points and ended up not winning. But I'm, I'm not still salty about it. I don't, I don't like wake up thinking about how I almost won that game. But uh, And then the other game I played on there is Takedo, which that was an interesting experience because that's a game I've never played physically. It's, just, it's a game I've always thought looked cool. 
with its pretty art and its kind of like Zen vibe of walking the road in uh, Japan. And so I played it on Board Game Arena, and it's a blast. I feel like I'm getting the experience of playing the game, and I can play it anytime with people from all over the place. So Board Game Arena, I like it. It good. Those are my thoughts. If you want to play me, uh, if you're a board, if you're a dice pirate solicitor and you want to play me on Board Game Arena, look for Beard of Riker. That's Beard underscore of underscore Riker. Look for Beard of Riker on uh, on uh, Board Game Arena, and I'll play a game with you. I am actually really excited to play Board Game Arena with you because the only experience I've had with it was over a year ago, right at the beginning of the lockdown, when we were looking for where to play. And back then, even just a year and a half ago, the interface and a lot of the offerings that they had there were still not up to where they are today and from what it seems. So I'm excited to do that. I think that'll be really cool. I do agree that I think Tabletop Simulator is lacking in a lot of ways. What I will say about it is, first off, dropping something off the edge of the table and losing it forever is, in fact, a very good simulation of the real world because you drop a die and that thing is gone and you will never find it That's true. under your board game table. You'll find it three years later under your refrigerator for reasons unknown. Exactly. Who knows what happened to it? Also, I think it is worthwhile to say, like, the thing about Board Game Arena is that a game has to be designed, like, you have to build it for that interface with tabletop simulator anybody has the resources has the ability to make a game and so you have thousands and thousands of mods for different games and so you don't have to so i mean there are some official ones that you can purchase but you can pretty much find free you know individually made versions of games that you enjoy some of them will be less perfect than others but you have lots of options to shop around and look so while it's not perfect i think it definitely was helpful for a lot of people just to be able to get that and have that experience for sure absolutely i'm i'm, I'm, I'm being overly harsh on work tabletop simulator for effect i didn't love what it was trying to do but also completely understand that some people it might actually feel more intuitive uh, and uh, like you said, you, it's hard to beat Tabletop Simulator for the sheer wealth of things to play. It's almost shocking how many uh, various adaptations and even like crazy stuff like custom D&D you know, miniatures if you want to run a D&D session in there and all sorts of wild stuff. So Tabletop Simulator is definitely, I mean, I, should, I think you should look at them both if you want to get into this whole like play in digital versions of board games. Look at them both and see which one you like. I'm definitely kind of leaning toward uh, Board Game Arena. I'd like a more curated experience with stuff that's designed uh, you know, for the interface. We're going to move on to our final soapbox topic. And Aaron, you have something for us that I, I could not believe my ears when you said it. So lead us into this one. Okay, so yesterday I was watching uh, the 2021 showcase for Magic the Gathering because I just don't have enough to do during my regular work hours, I guess. And in addition to talking about the the upcoming main core sets and, and all of that, they announced four new crossover sets that are going to be available for you to go buy and have these cards in your hand that you can actually use and play with. Now before, last year they crossed over, they, they did a couple new cards based on The Walking Dead via their uh, Secret Lair format, which is just kind of limited collector's edition drops. This year and next year, they've confirmed that they will be introducing cards based on Warhammer 40k, The Lord of the Rings, Street Fighter, and Fortnite. And they have Fortnite. they have said, yeah, Fortnite, you know, that game that your kids play? Fortnite. Yeah. That you can't understand because you're not twelve and you just don't have those reflexes anymore. I just feel like I can't get a, I feel like I can't get away from it. Like uh, you know, like there's is Fortnite gonna be in every space? Do I have to absorb Fortnite media everywhere I go, even in my tabletop games? No, I'm just mad. Actually, they have also announced that the uh the, the for the Street Fighter crossover, so in, in Magic the Gathering there's a mechanic called kicking a card where when you pay the cost of the card, you can optionally pay extra. And they're going to be introducing a new mechanic specifically for the Street Fighter set called Multi-Kicker, because they're introducing Chun-Li, and that's her whole thing. It's just, you know, the lightning kick special. She kicks a lot. Yes, so because they're introducing those cards, they're introducing a new mechanic, and... They have said that while they, they may change the names and the artwork, 
the functionally these same cards will later be printed and present in just regular old Magic the Gathering. So I'm really interested in this because this is definitely a strange crossover in my mind. I mean, obviously Fortnite is incredibly popular, and that makes sense. And we have seen Magic the Gathering do several other crossovers, like you mentioned, um, Walking Dead, the Warhammer crossover is going to be coming over, of course, I mean, D&D, but that made sense. So it's just, it's interesting that we've seen a lot of this, but I guess, like, my question is, like, why Fortnite? I realize it's popular, but it doesn't seem like those two groups of people are really going to be intersecting much. And so I guess, do you know what the response has been to this? Like, are people excited, or are they very much, like not interested in this because i feel like that could be a very controversial thing so this was this was just yesterday um so it hasn't really had a chance to to bubble out from just the the insular magic the gathering communities that i hang out on because i'm that kind of dweebus response has been i would say holy some some mixture of outraged or just confused because specifically with the, the Fortnite cards, they're not going to be you just walk into your local card shop and you see a pack of cards that has the Fortnite logo on it. These are only going to be through their secret layer, so you have to already know about them and want to buy them and be willing to pay extra for a limited run of them. So who is that for? Who is in their 30s, has the disposable income and the desire... That is in that that arena that is both Magic the Gathering and the game where you can play as the Avengers sometimes. That uh, okay? So you blew my mind at the end. All right. So when we first started talking about this, I was willing to concede. I thought it was confusing and and dumb, but I was also willing to concede from a marketing perspective. If you're Wizards of the Coast, you want to bring in new players to a game that, like you said, use the word insular to describe it. I mean, Magic's not the most uh, easy to penetrate a gaming community feels very obtuse and it's been going on a long time it's hard to break in so you want to bring in new players how do you do it well you you skin the game with an ip that they know so fortnite street fighter you know whatever you know the hot thing is that you're into uh the british baking so set i think is going to be a really big uh you know that paul that paul hollywood card is going to be brutal uh but (laughs) the uh so it made sense to me from a marketing thing but then when they're being like hidden away is like fairly expensive like a hard to get collector stuff you're sort of targeting the you already now you're just targeting the magic gathering nerds these things if these were sold in like individual packs at walmart on that giant wall of junk where they put all like the foil packs of like Pikachu card, Pokemon cards and all that stuff. My kids would probably buy a Fortnite branded pack of magic cards. And next thing you know, I'm taking them over to Friday night magic at the local nerd shop. So, you know, I could see that working. This is an odd thing, but you know, it's business, it's marketing. I think in the end, I think what we can do here is actually blame. We can blame Fortnite for this by bringing in all these characters. Fortnite did this. They're like, oh, just mishmash all the IPs. That's the thing now. It'll be interesting to see how that is marketed on both sides, what they do to bring people in. So we'll have to see where that goes from here. I'm sure we're going to be talking about that again at some point. We're going to go ahead and move on. We do have a quick game before we get into our main topic. We have a return of rule book randomness. Woohoo, I love it. This is a quick segment that we have where I read out just a small segment of a rule book that really doesn't make sense out of context. We all love board games, but sometimes they can get a little bit hard to parse. So I'm going to go ahead and bring a couple ones out for you guys. The first one I have for you is from a game called Feudum. This game is famously incredibly dense and hard to get into. Ooh, I don't know this game. Yeah, it's I I have I tried to play it one time and it is it it is inscrutable and I don't mean that in the joking way that I say when I mean like it's a really complicated board game like it is actually the board game manual may as well be written in a foreign language that no one speaks. One of the best excerpts from this manual comes in this segment right here. Shuffle all 17 king seals and draw 4 to place the scrolls in the noble guide as shown. Draw four more and flip to reveal rosary beads and put them in the monk guild on the rosary. 
draw one more and flip to reveal a rosary bead and place it atop a chicken in the farmer guild. <laughs> Randomly draw ten goods from the haversack and put them in the barn in the farmer guild. Yeah, like, I don't know what you said, but my nose is bleeding. Did you cast a spell on me? <laughs> and if you do all that, a ghost will appear and tell you your future. Uh, what? What? What is that? You, did you just, did you say the phrase in the middle of that and put it on the chicken? Can you recap? Did you say and put it on the chicken? I did, in fact, tell you to take a rosary bead and put a rosary bead on top of a chicken. See, I got so lost I didn't know what you wanted me to put on the chicken. I, I wasn't expecting a chicken to appear at all. That's unbelievable. Uh, that, that was like five steps to do, I guess, like one thing in the game. And I think it, over the course of that, you drew like six cards, maybe. Yeah, it's, it's a whole thing. This game is one of those games that, like Aaron said, incredibly hard to understand. One of my favorite bits of somebody talking about this game is a person who was explaining why they couldn't play it and they say um my wife and i were at a convention once and tried to play a floor copy the creator was even there giving tutorials we spent maybe an hour or two trying to figure it out including sitting through the tutorial we just could not figure it out eventually we gave up and played terra mystica i would try it again but only if taught by someone who really knew it and could teach it well he was he was learning from the creator of the game and wanted to learn from somebody who could who knew the game well and could teach it well. That's this is the game you're dealing with here. <laughs> this game is over the top. I mean, you talk about Lacerda games. This game is just too much. Oh, I want to play this. Uh, look at the, the art. I'm, I've got it up on Board Game Geek right now. Oh, it's a gorgeous it, game. It looks That's beautiful. Uh, yeah. Incredible. Uh, there's a crazy looking rainbow monster reaching up from behind a hill at a sad some sad medieval folks. Uh, it looks like uh, Adventure Time art mixed with like a 1970s prod rock cover mixed with a dry economic board game. This looks insane. This looks like it came out of the mind of a crazy person. And I'm there for it. All right. I do have another one for you guys. This game is from Rommel, North Africa. And it says this. A hexagonal grid has been printed on the board to determine movement. Hereafter, these hexagons will be called squares. <laughs> hereafter these hexagons will be called squares but so what happened there was is that they it it went into the like the final version 2.3 version of the rule book and then somebody finally caught that and they were like well we can't just control f hex to square because that'll mess up something yeah so let's just let's just print it just yeah we'll just put a little note here we ain't got time to fix it this was due yesterday. Yeah. It, hexes are squares. Squares are hexes. Nothing means anything. Sure. Hereafter, these hexes are called squares. And also, hereafter, rifles will be referred to as bananas. This get, that's, a, that's an amazing bit of like nonsense because there is the word hex. Like if they were like, we can't just, <laughs> I can't, I can't write the word hex. The, the, the manual writer's like, I can't write the word hexagon for like 47 pages. Like I get tired of even writing it, much less reading it. Well, there's got to be a shorter way to say hexagon. I know, square. 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 That's the shorter way to say hexagon. We'll say square. That makes perfect sense. Absolutely, yeah. No, the game, I mean, especially when you do get games that get so intricate, and I'm sure there was something else maybe called a hex that maybe it was a, a game where you have to... Well, you know you how there hexes. was... I don't know. You know how in North the North Africa campaign of World War II, witches were a huge problem. So if you said hex, you were clearly referring to the war witches. Uh, so I, makes, now it makes perfect sense when you yeah. take into account magic, per which was prevalent sense. throughout the North Africa campaign. <laughs> I I don't know, man. I don't know, man. I just I love you know we, obviously we love board games we love reading through the rule books and figuring out how to play but sometimes it just gets a little bit too crazy for its own good and I love that part. We're gonna go ahead and move on to our main topic now and we will be right back in just a second. All right and welcome back to the Dice Pirates and we're gonna go ahead and dive into our main topic this week which is epic space adventure games games games. So yeah, if you are uh, if you're a regular Dice Pirates listener, you know we did an episode uh, just a few uh, weeks back on epic fantasy adventure games, games that capture the sweeping feel of a fantasy novel or movie, and uh, give you that same feel. And so we wanted to do the same thing with sci-fi. If you uh, prefer your adventures amongst the stars rather than the rustic fields of a fantasy universe. Uh, you have a lot of board game options out there to choose from. So we're going to run through some quickly 
this is not a definitive list of like the greatest or best space uh, board games of all time, but there's some favorites and they're a mix of genres and styles. So no matter what type of game you prefer, you can get some sci-fi space flavor uh, to the table. So to kick things off, I wanted to uh, start out with a game that I particularly enjoy, and that is Firefly the Game from Gale Force 9. It's a 2013 release, and it is based on the uh, short-lived but much-loved television series Firefly. The great thing about it is you don't actually have to know a lot about uh, Firefly to enjoy it. Um, in fact, I like but don't love Firefly. When I played uh, this game, I had watched... this, man. I didn't say I didn't like it. I said I like it, but I, didn't, I don't love it. I'm not, I don't consider myself to be like a diehard Firefly person. So when I picked the game up after having not watched Firefly for a while... You know, a lot of the characters and places in it were, like, familiar, but I didn't really know the lore, but it didn't stop you from enjoying the game at all. You can totally just uh, appreciate it as a space adventure romp on its own merits. Um, if you are uh, familiar with the show, uh, it obviously it follows basically the same structure. You uh, play a crew on a uh, Firefly-class ship who's taking on jobs all over the galaxy. You, take, you can take on jobs that are legal, illegal... So uh, you're avoiding the authorities, you're avoiding uh, reavers and danger. There are uh, several things about it that I really like and think it is worth your look. One is it is sort of a good light role-playing experience, although it handles uh, the mechanics of doing jobs in this. When you go to complete a mission, you usually have to work your way through like a short scenario where you have to resolve roles similar to making checks in a role-playing game like Dungeons and Dragons. So maybe you have to repair a part or hack a thing or win some combat. So you roll dice and you can modify your dice roll based upon the gear that you've collected or the members of the crew. So having a technician in your crew or an expert fighter would give you like a bonus to a fight roll or something like that. So the sense that like customizing your crew and customizing the gear you have makes you better at different jobs is really fun. There's this kind of tense push your luck mechanic too as you're working your way through a job because there are multiple roles. So you might pass some early steps and the whole thing could go sideways on you like really quickly, which is, uh, you know, if you don't love dice games or things can fall apart, I guess buyer beware. But if you like that sort of tense feeling of being on the edge of your seat, it's wonderful. I love the way it handles uh, journeying through uh, the verse, as they call it. You can move you can move your uh, ship one uh, space at a time safely without having to have any uh, danger or resolving the event deck. But if you do a burn, if you spend some fuel to move, you know, up to your ship's maximum distance, you have to draw from uh, this uh, deck of uh, travel, uh, basically a travel deck for every square that you draw, and uh, you know, half the time or more nothing happens all is clear but every once in a while you run into danger out there in the black you might uh, get raided by uh, the alliance or suffer a catastrophic parts failure or have some other type of encounter so the sense of like danger and unknown all throughout the galaxy as you're moving around is great uh mechanically it's basically a classic kind of pick up and drop off make deliveries game at its heart there are a lot of games like this Sky Traders is a game we've talked about on the show, sort of a lesser known, but game that's very similar mechanically. Uh, Merchants and Marauders uh, is a well-known pirate game that kind of has a similar feel. But this game just does a great job of having that space sci-fi adventure feel. If you love uh, Firefly, you'll love it all the more. If you don't know what Firefly is, Space Pirates is basically all you need to know, and it, you'll have a blast with it. The game has uh, good components that really kind of help it come alive. Uh, for the most part, you have your little miniatures of your ships. You have a nice big galaxy map in front of you. It has the best paper money in a game, which paper money is usually a total non-starter, but it has really cool designed money with this great sense of graphic design that's very thematic to the universe. And... Um, it's really good. Actually, the only two things about the game that I don't really like, and one of them is minor and one of them is major. My minor quibble is I actually don't love that most of the game's art is stills from the show. I think that looks a little chintzy and hasn't aged super well. They're not like really high quality like captures for the most part. It doesn't look great. I think you know commissioning art that's in the style of the show but were drawings would have been much cooler but also probably way more expensive and gale force 9 is not known for their like tremendously spendy high quality productions 
Yes. The uh, other thing about the game is a little more major, and this is the one that I think is a real uh, buyer beware, is uh, in the base game, the manual is a disaster. Total disaster. It's overly long. You could pull out passages from it for our rulebook randomness segment where there's stuff that just doesn't make sense or isn't fully explained and is open to interpretation, like how exactly your uh, smuggler's hatch on your ship works and when you can move stuff in and out of it or what exactly you're supposed to do here, how this mechanic works. It's a game that simulates a lot of things about flying through space and resolving missions and taking on jobs. and It's really a mess. Uh, fortunately, the game's been out for a while and the game community around it has created tons of supplemental resources. You can easily download a fan-written rule summary off of BoardGameGeek that will make the game instantly understandable and better so just go ahead and do that know that if you buy the game new just go straight to board game geeks uh, files and start downloading stuff because there's stuff in there that fixes errata fixes problems and makes the game a thousand times more playable and enjoyable so yeah i think uh i think if you don't know anything about firefly you would probably still like this game as long as you do still really enjoy sci-fi and you want a good space romp it's a romp that's the, that's the word i'm looking for it's a romp. Our next game is going to be one that you guys both enjoy a lot. I've only played this one a couple times, but of course, we all know Matt's going to love this because it is all about handfuls of dice. We're talking about Roll for the Galaxy. Yeah, Roll for the Galaxy is a... Uh, it's If you've heard of Race for the Galaxy, this is kind of essentially just the dice version of... Race for the Galaxy. Uh, this is a dice-based uh, tableau builder. You've got a little set of tiles that you're going to be drafting and adding to play in front of you throughout the game in an effort to grow your empire. There's, there is, in my opinion, a lot, a lot to love about Roll for the Galaxy. Um, I have played a lot of both Roll and Race. This is this is gonna put me in the hot takes heretics section. I greatly prefer Roll for the Galaxy over Race for the Galaxy. Race feels almost intentionally hard to understand, whereas Roll for the Galaxy just feels a lot more intuitive to pick up. Uh, I mean, there's like Ian said, fistfuls of dice just constantly everywhere, every direction. You're constantly rolling so many dice you have this lovely oversized plastic dice cup so as you're shaking your dice you get this really nice loud maraca effect as you're preparing your turn spilling them out across the table and then you know taking your dice they they represent your your citizenry one of and the dice cup is something the dice cup should be in every board game ever printed because you have your uh you have a, a standee in front of your board where you're assigning your workers and you're assigning your workers in secret other people can't know what it is that you're trying to do on your turn when you're done you take your dice cup and you put it upside down in front of your player board so that everyone knows you're done and literally every board game should have that because i cannot i cannot tell you the number of times i've been playing a board game with people and then all of us just sit there in silence for about five minutes before somebody looks around and goes, oh, are you guys done? You know, <laughs> because, because there's not a, there's not a piece that you put in front of you on the, that comes with the game that you put in front of you that says, I'm done now and I'm ready when you guys are. Because you're sitting over in the other corner on your phone. I don't know if you're paying attention. I don't know if you are done or if you're thinking or you're trying to metagame out everything um, but I'm, roll for I'm the... never doing that <laughs> <laughs> but uh but roll for the galaxy i mean it it doesn't have the uh you know space adventure feel of firefly to be sure it is very much a a board game board game it's you know you're rolling dice to assign symbols on a card so that you can add other cards to your tableau that then influence and, and upgrade your other powers when you do other things it's a fantastic little engine builder and it plays differently every single time you have a, a starting colony that gets randomly passed out to you at the beginning of the game 
and that kind of helps set your path for the game. There's never one dominant strategy that as long as you do X, you'll always win. This is a game where it really depends on the technologies and the planets that you get dealt. Well, I say dealt to you, you pull them out of a bag, but that you get over the course of the game because those are going to impact tremendously how good you are at different things and which ones you should pursue over others. There's a, a whole strategy based around producing goods and then shipping those goods to get points, but you can just as easily win by just building things that are worth the most points and finishing the game before anyone else has a chance to do anything about it. It could, it could very rightly be called a multiplayer solitaire because there is absolutely no direct interaction with people across from you at the table but uh it is still i mean there's there's a little bit of that um and and roll for the galaxy same as race there are five actions that you can do on any given turn on your turn you'll pick one of them everyone at the table is going to secretly pick one of them to be i definitely want production to happen this turn so you kind of have to look at everyone's tableau and think about what are they going to try to do this turn so that I know that they're definitely going to lock that in so that I don't have to, so I can lock in the thing that I want to do. And then just kind of, you know, figure out what, what your opponents are thinking and, and work around that. It's it's a lot of fun. It's available for your, your phones and tablets now, as well as on Steam, I believe. Uh, it's a great little... Just sit down and play for a couple minutes. It's it's really fun. I uh, I've played a good bit of both these games too, like you, uh, race and roll. And I, I'm with you. I think roll is the better game. I, that is not universally believed. I do think it's better. It's better for me. Uh, I find both these games to be highly inscrutable. Uh, every time I play race or roll for the galaxy it is like the first time i'm playing it i have to relearn <laughs> the game's uh odd symbology you know the various symbols for like production or exploration or whatever I have to relearn the game's symbols i have to relearn the game's mechanics and the overall strategy for how you build your little tableau up and turn it into an engine is uh it's not intuitive it's a little tough you got to learn it uh and uh race uh for the galaxy or i'm sorry roll for the galaxy with your dice actually really helps you because it narrows your choices you throw out that chunk of dice and that gives you a little bit of something to work with versus like the kind of the analysis paralysis of when i play the it's a uh, non-dice driven uh counterpart uh as far as it being like a space and sci-fi themed game i think this is an interesting choice because it sh it's more of a it's more of a gamer's game like it's a puzzle it's an engine builder it's chunky it's not thematic in a traditional sense, but there is an odd sense of story that emerges as you acquire cards to your table, uh, to your tableau, because it's like you're suddenly, you know, you get a funky new planet with a weird look, or you get like, you know, clone, a clone vat, or some like mercenaries, or like a weird technology, or like an alien, ancient alien civilization. I mean, it's all this kind of hodgepodge of sci-fi aesthetic and feel. And so a very strange, uh, narrative starts to emerge it sort of reminds me of it's a wonderful world where you grab all these cards and put them in your tableau and then you're just like this strange empire that you've built that's kind of a fun vibe uh this is more like if you are uh if you're a puzzle driven gamer and you like an in something that's uh chunky and thinky but you do want that flavor of science fiction this is a great choice i'm not with you on the dice cup though I'm going to go ahead and tell you the dice cup is the worst part of the game. You are, you've never been more wrong about anything in your it's, entire it, life. It's the, the worst moment of, of any game of Roll for the Galaxy is when every person is rolling their dice at the same time. And it sounds like a, ki a kindergarten uh, music class <laughs> of like maracas and little like egg shakers going off. It's the literally the worst moment. And then everyone simultaneously causes their dice cup to slam down on the table with an audible clunk. Uh, it's bananas. I didn't know that you just weren't like that. You didn't like fun and joy. Like that's weird to me. I, board I games are be... board games are serious business, and we're here to like. <laughs> we, this is serious, and, and we're here to do a job. I don't need your frivolity or your rattling cups. If you do easily get headaches, it might be a good idea to not bring in the cups, though. I do nah. agree that can be can be a lot sometimes. 
Next game we're talking about is one that is part of a larger series of games. We're going to talk about Tiny Epic Galaxies, of course, one of the many of the family of Tiny Epic Games. You probably are aware of this series, and if you're not, you should be, because they're fantastic little games. But of course, we're going to be talking about Tiny Epic Galaxies, which is definitely a little bit more thematic than Roll for the Galaxy in that you do have your spaceships, you're sending them out to new planets, you're trying to collect a group of planets that you own and that you can get resources from. There's a, a lot that goes into this game. It's actually surprisingly robust and deep for the size of the game. Matt, I know you play a lot of this game. Kind of talk us through it a little bit. Oh, yeah. I, I love this one. Uh, I, I'm going to go ahead and say I, I think it is the best Tiny Epic game. Oh, for sure. I haven't played them all, so I can't say that definitively, but everything y'all read online, I think it has held up over the years, and it's been out for a while. I didn't realize this game came out in, uh, let's see, this this game came out, I believe, in 2015 from Gamelum Games. So, you know, it's held up, I think, critically and uh, in the eyes of fans better than almost anything else that Gamelum's put out, and in part because it's probably their best tightest little bit of game design it's at heart of classic 4x game a game of expansion exploration and, and conquering throughout the uh galaxy but scaled down beautifully into literally a portable package and a fairly simple rule set uh it's a dice roller just like uh uh similar to roll for a galaxy on your turn you're gonna throw down a handful of dice and from those dice, you're going to be able to take different actions on uh, the board. You're going to be able to conquer planets or uh, gather different resources, power, diplomacy. Um, what's great is that you always have the option to spend some of your resources to follow the action of one of your other players. That means there's no downtime. And that's a great mechanic that you see uh, in, in some board games. Whenever it pops up, I love it because that means every turn you got to be actively engaged and, yes. you, and you always, and you always have a, a, a tough choice to make in between your turns. When it, when I want to spend, I think it's diplomacy that you spend uh, to follow culture. culture. That's it. It's like, I knew the, I knew the, the, uh, the symbol was a little column. Yeah. A little plinth. So, uh, but yeah, you spend uh, culture to uh, to take a follow action, and you may not have a lot of culture at any given moment. So, choosing when to take that moment, uh, Ian's eyes looked at me when I said I don't have a lot of culture, and he wanted so bad to jump in with some kind of hot take. And I'm gonna pause here and just do it. Drop your joke. Got nothing when he got put on the spot. <laughs> Let the record show that silence <laughs> fell. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm was, laughing too hard, laughing too hard to get my joke out. That was you know, hilarious. Just, it's too easy. It's too easy uh, not to. Oh yeah. Oh uh, no, that was funny. Yeah. So you got to always. There's always an interesting choice of when to take that follow action. Um, there's also it's also kind of a light engine builder, right? I use that term a lot, but you know, as you uh, uh, as you conquer a planet and add it to your player board, you get a unique power. And if you play smart, you can suddenly uh, get a very efficient little system going where you can uh, do more and take more actions on the board. Uh, and it plays fast. Uh, it's the uh, first player to reach uh, a certain uh, point total uh, wins the game. And uh, it wraps up quick. It's got wonderful little components, cool dice, little wooden rocket ships, and a retro uh, science style. Um, it's just really good. Uh, Aaron, you've played this one, right? What do you think? Yeah, this is this is a fantastically tight design. Um, I mean, this is everything has a purpose. Everything has a reason. Everything exists in the game intentionally. Uh, and as somebody who's played, uh, I think all of the tiny epic games, there are a lot of games in the series that have mechanisms and aspects that just feel really stapled on for the sake of having them there. Uh, but Tiny Epic Galaxies has this this fantastic, you know, like you're saying, you might not always have enough culture to do the thing. You are hard limited on the amount of resources that you can have at any given time. Uh, you have, instead of having pieces that you have to collect and count out, you just have a little tracker. And when you get to the top of the tracker, that's it. You hit 10, and then you don't get any more. So whatever you would have gotten after that is just lost. So you have to be very careful and specific when you're playing through your turn of how do I best manage doing the things that I want to do 
but also make sure that I'm set up to follow the things that you're going to do on your turn and be, you know, managing your, your resources effectively that way. Um, they also, I don't know if you guys have played it. They had a, an expansion come out, uh, back in 2017. So just four years ago, a little bit more recently called beyond the black. Yes. And in addition to adding, you know, more planets, more secret objective cards, it introduces two really cool mechanisms where you've got, uh, specialized ships so you have four spaceships that in the base game they're they're just spaceships they just do spaceship things and beyond the black you can upgrade your ships to each have their own specific ability and you can also hire pilots who are able to you know to augment the powers of your special ships so you've got uh it it starts to it makes it feel a lot less samey a lot quicker one yeah. of the, the issues with with tiny epic galaxies is definitely if you play the game a bunch in a row it really just kind of starts to regress to the mean where you've seen it you know and this this really helps up the uh the the differences between one game to the next it also introduces this thing where you can go explore beyond the black in the name you can you can explore the the you know the the lost recesses of space and it's a kind of this pressure luck thing where you just don't really know what's going to be there you don't know if it's going to be something that's gonna ruin your whole game or something that will allow you to greatly jump past the other players so uh if, if you're at all interested in this game, I highly, highly, highly recommend picking up the expansion while you're at it. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I've actually only played the Beyond the Black expansion one time with it, which is bizarre because I, I have it. I don't know why. Uh, usually when I'm picking up uh, Tiny Epic Galaxy Play, it's, it's specifically because I want a quick game. It's like this will be the second or maybe third game in a game day. So you don't. I'm not looking for it to be overly complex, but the Beyond the Black expansion takes a game that is a light space conquest game and turns it into a almost like a fully featured like like if you package it all together in one box, it's like a fully featured 4x space game when you combine Beyond the Black and the base game. It and in the Beyond the Black expansion adds a thematic element that the uh, base game doesn't have. Uh, Tiny Epic Galaxy is in its own way, lightly thematic. I mean, you're zipping your starship back and forth to planets. There's interesting choices like how you can put your, uh, how you can land on a planet or be in orbit around it. And, you know, there's there's some, there's definitely a, a spacey feel to it that makes it a good sci-fi game. But all the stuff you just described, like hiring pilots and venturing into the unknown and upgrading your starships, now you're getting into some real good sci-fi stuff. Like that's when it starts, that's when it really starts to come alive. And the great thing is that, you know, these are small box games that are very affordable. Uh, not every uh, Gamelin game, not every tiny Epic game is a home run, but they're all solid and they're all super affordable. And I do appreciate that about Gamelin. If you're a gamer on a budget, if you just want to add some diversity into your collection, the tiny Epic series is, uh, you know, you could, you could do a lot worse than, than picking and choosing from the tiny Epic series. And if sci-fi is your thing, you got to get tiny epic galaxies i say tiny epic galaxies is almost a must buy for uh almost any board gamer it's a game that i think we would definitely all recommend i love that there is a surprising amount of depth to it like you said there it may seem simple it may it may be small but you do have just a, a wealth of decisions and you do have to sort of plan ahead but it doesn't require you to be all focused doesn't require that much and so i, I think it's i think it's a worthy addition to anybody's anybody's collection of games for sure and i would definitely be interested in playing that more i do plan on picking that up for myself at some point as well because yeah it's just such a such a well-made game we are going to go ahead and move on to our final game of this episode and it is easily the most thematic and also easily the longest of the games that we are going to be talking about we're going to talk about twilight imperium of course you know this is one of the most storied space games out there definitely one of the longest games that you could play you got to set aside whole day a whole day for this game potentially multiple days if you don't have a lot of time but 
I think it's one of the most loved games for a reason. There's a lot about this game. I mean, you know, if you don't know what Twilight Imperium is, it's in many ways it's like risk in space. You're trying to just take over take over the galaxy. You're trying to score points, you're trying to move towards the center of the galaxy and own that planet. You're developing new technology as you move, depending on the planets that you own, you can go for different types of technologies. You're building up a large space force, dropping soldiers onto planets, taking over those planets, building up your space docks in different places. It's just, it's such a expansive game and it really covers so many areas. But I think what a lot of people love most about the game is the interaction that you get between players because of course over this long period of time you're gonna have to move into other players territories and it's another of those games where combat not an easy thing it could go so badly for you it can be incredibly costly and so everyone's a little cagey to get into battle and so i think the stories that come out of this are definitely one of one of the best parts of this game for sure matt we've had We've had some times playing Twilight Imperium for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I've always been a forthright and honest player. When I played it with you, a man of integrity, uh, a man of peace. I've never uh, backstabbed or swept like a vulture down upon your home world when you left it shockingly unguarded to go fight a war. You know, with your wife, frankly, is the other part of the story that gets left out a lot. <laughs> is that you were fighting a war against your wife in another part of the galaxy. And your planet was left undefended, and your and they needed leadership. Your people needed leadership, and so I stepped into the void. And it, very few civilians were killed. Look, look, look! The point here is not that you made a, a tactical decision. The point here is you spent the entire game smiling at me, making it clear that we were friends, yeah. helping me out. And then, in my moment of need, what yeah. did you do? You turned them. Now I realize that's the heart. That is the heart of this game. But I will forever carry that to my dying day and and this is way out of what we're talking about but also i I paid you back a little bit the last time we played dune and that made me feel very good so you did i'm not bitter about it still but you did and yeah that that moment really got me yeah that's hilarious i feel like your your main tactical error there was that you believed matt i don't like what is there context for that moment i I will say this that this was years ago back i still i didn't know matt quite as well as i did i, did, I, I didn't know matt quite as well as i do now i think if uh, if i was to make the same decision it would be very different um and uh i i believe that if we replayed it i would i would crush you uh yeah. well i don't know about that uh i'm i'm very good at twilight up here easy to say I'm from very where good. you are ian uh no here's here's what I, here's what i want to talk about this game and i wanted to you know we could spend there will probably be a time in the very uh near future where we do a whole episode on twilight Imperium, especially after we get a chance to play the fourth edition it's looming behind me uh no one at home can see this so I'm, I'm tilting my webcam over so everyone can see it i have two copies now twilight Imperium third and twilight Imperium fourth uh sitting there so very soon we're gonna play twilight Imperium fourth edition and i would love if uh ian and aaron could both uh be a part of that we gotta meet somewhere at a neutral location uh geneva switzerland or something can maybe host a summit <laughs> for the dice pirates and we can play but i wanted so we'll talk more about twilight Imperium in the future but i wanted to talk about it in this episode because if you're talking about great space themed games uh, it's hard to argue in my mind that Twilight Imperium is the ultimate space experience. When you think of great space opera movies uh, or shows, Star Wars, Star Trek, Stargate SG-1, other shows that don't have the word star in them, you know, <laughs> there's so many uh, different shows and sort of the thing that makes them all feel great is the sense of scope. Multiple planets, multiple alien races, big uh, epic choices that matter, the lives of planets hanging in the balance. Twilight Imperium brings all that to the tabletop. You all play these really unique, well-thought-out uh, alien races with unique lore and characteristics that are vying for control of the galaxy. And uh, that feeling of a galaxy at war really starts to come alive. There's so many things in the game that we could dwell on, but... Uh, you know, the bottom line is it, it perfectly embodies the theme of the, the 4X style game. Explore, expand, exterminate. Uh, I, there's another X that I can never remember what it stands for. That sense of just like having to make smart tactical choices as you move forward, get better, get bigger, but also trying to uh, avoid conflict with your neighbors until you absolutely can't. Because like Ian said, the wars and the battles in this game are 
edge of your seat tense and can be disastrous. Uh, the other thematic choice that I love, love, love in this game is the Galactic Council phase. Every once in a while, you'll trigger an event where everyone has to come to the table as represent- representatives of their various factions and vote on laws and other things that are basically game-changing rules or events that totally change the, the board state. Uh, I mean, literally, you can vote to have a player executed <laughs> and they're not completely removed from the game but they suffer some pretty devastating you know setbacks as a result of it uh but then there's other things like you can just like vote to close off one of the wormholes or something or like i mean just huge things and so the wheeling and dealing starts to happen and anytime of a game introduces that element you start to like role play like people start to get into their character and next thing you know someone is saying like well my people you know like you know it's wild it's just really really good it's one of the few games that's epic, and it's one of those mountaintop kind of grail board game experiences. Uh, it's long. Just unbelievably, stupidly long. Seven, eight, ten hours of gameplay. you got to be up for it. But if you're if you're serious about board games, and if you're listening to a board game podcast, uh, you probably are. you got to play Twilight Imperium at least one time. You know, playing a ten-hour game over the course of the bulk of the day with a group of people, and totally by hour seven, just like losing yourself in the fiction of the world, and just like realizing that the fate of the Hakan Empire rests in your hands, you know, and and feeling that in a real and profound way. That's when like board game magic is happening, and I absolutely love it. And so I think like if you love science fiction, this is one you've really got to look at. The caveats. The buyer bewares on this game, though, are still obviously one. It's not cheap. It's very expensive. I mean, you're putting down a hundred bucks unless you get a good Amazon sale or something, and it might bring the price down to like eighty or ninety. Uh, it's also obviously not uh, simple to learn or play. So this is the big leagues. This is a lot of rules. It's a lot of stuff. This is not anybody's gateway game. You got to be ready for it. But if you want to step up your board gaming into something that's truly epic. And space is your jam. Twilight Imperium is hard to beat. I think epic really is the word to describe it because from the table presence to just the the scale of the game that you're playing, the movements that you're doing, I mean, it's going to take up your entire table. It's going to fill that space. You're going to have to find ways to work around that. That's a great point. Over the course of the game, I mean... That's the thing is like I, I feel like this is a game that I wish we could play more than we did and it's hard to make time for that but I yeah. feel like playing it more often would only make it better because that is one of the things I do think as well is that you need to be ready for a lot of disappointment when you're coming into this game because things can go well but they can also go disastrously bad. You may be building your empire, you may be spreading out, things may be going okay, but you might get caught in just the wrong moment at the wrong time, you might have somebody just move towards you in a direction you weren't expecting, or the dice rolls may just go badly for you. And all of a sudden, you may be you may be right there, you may be about to win it, and then instead, everything is dashed. But I think that's also sort of what makes it so epic. Everything in the game kind of moves towards a single point. And yep. I think you find a, you find this a lot in these sort of grand like war games. Like Dune is very similar. But you have this game that moves very slowly. It's not a fast-moving game. Lots of stuff is happening. Everybody's doing turns and following. Each round itself can take ages. So when it starts to speed up, when you start to get those moments, it's not like, oh, we're suddenly here. It's like seeing a freight train in the distance. You know that the moment of impact is coming. You can see it from a long ways away. And you just are waiting. You're waiting for the climactic moment to come. You're doing your best to prepare for it because you can see it coming. You can see everybody preparing. You see them building their dreadnoughts, see them building their war suns. You see it coming, and all you can do is prepare. And if you get to that moment and you're not ready, your entire game is just done at that point. Like You may just be out of luck. And so being able to play it more is going to make sure that you're on the other side of that victory sometimes that you get the chance to experience just that incredible high of going through a eight nine hour experience and coming out on top and getting to have that satisfaction it's one of those games where if you can find a group to get together once a month once every two months and at least have those storylines kind of arcing back and continuing on genuinely one of the best experiences i think you can have i mean you you raised a couple of really good points here about having the right frame of mind when you come to the table for a game like this uh, Twilight Imperium is a game that I think you need to kind of make peace that like this is a game 
that you should not necessarily play to win, but play to play, to have the experience. Because it is a game that you could find yourself out of contention to win it three hours into a 10-hour day. If you make a bad move, you just get cataclysmically behind, you get a fleet wiped out in a battle that you didn't think through, or the dice just weren't with you, or whatever, any number of factors, you get so far behind that just realistically you're not in contention to win. But you're not going to be out of the game. It's actually very hard. There are ways you can get completely knocked out of a game of Twilight Imperium, but it's uh, very, it's fairly difficult, and it doesn't happen that often. And so now you're just kind of in this journey of like, okay, I'm not going to win this, but I can still have fun. You're going to be able to vote in the Galactic Senate and you're going to be able to make choices that impact the player board and make it harder for other players. You're going to be a spoiler and a presence that everybody has to deal with. So you, you know, you're never not without your ability to like shape events because, you know, choosing to, you know, move some of your fighters into the path of where, you know, somebody else is going is going to make them make a choice. And all of this stuff. And it's also a game that you should... Uh, I think if you're a role-playing group, that would actually be the best way to play this. Because everyone kind of gets in character of their various faction and kind of gets a little silly with it. You could, have, you could still have fun with the game even if you're not winning or even if you're out early. If you're highly competitive and you need to win, this game could be brutal. <laughs> it could be, it'd be really brutal. But it, but it could also be very satisfying because it is a... It's not a... It's not like Firefly, which is, like I said, was just a kind of a space romp. You're there to have fun and watch a story unfold, and it's really silly. That's a perfect beer and pretzels. Let's have a fun two and a half, three hours. This is a game that you could learn and get better at. So if you are a serious gamer, Twilight Imperium is pretty real. And there are game groups that I think build their entire game identity around this game. I mean, this is a this is a linchpin one. It's really, really, really fun. I'm anxious to play the fourth edition. I wish I had thoughts to share. I know it makes a ton of improvements and is generally considered to be like the best version. Probably the last version of this that we'll get. It has refined the game down to a better state, made a lot of improvements over third. So looking forward to playing that and having even more uh, to say about it. And I really do. We got to make this happen. This is the official call. Matt, Ian, Aaron... The rest of the dice pirates, we need to play twice. Road trip. We need to make it happen. Uh, you know, we're gonna meet uh, somewhere centrally located on a map. You know, and we're gonna do this. Well, when it does, I'm sure that everybody can expect a good full episode on just Twilight Imperium itself. Of course, you know we've definitely had a lot to say, but there is so much more that we can talk about, just from the intricacies of the mechanics to really just the the amazing moments that we have talked about already. So there's so much to love about this game. Definitely one that you should consider, or if you do just already play it, maybe try to break it out again once you're able to get a group together, or even maybe maybe you can find it on Tabletop Simulator. So we'll see, see how that goes. You know, make At least you can save the game and, and bring it up next time. But those are some great space games, whether you're looking for something that's actually thematic or something that's, you know, maybe just, you know, a little veneer of space on top of it. I don't think you can go wrong with any of these options. Would you say that this episode has been out of this world? Guys, I got a quick question for you, just off top before we finish this. If you had the chance to go to space, would you go to space? Would you do it? Yes, like, 100, 100%. No I hesitation. Mean, yes, but like, can I, am I coming back? Like, I would do it. Am I, am I going for a year? Am I going for a week? See, we have two types of people. We got the guy who says, yes, I'll go to space. Yeah. And we got the other guy who's like, you know what? It's interesting, but I got to know all the details Well, first. you know, one of us loves our family, so. I mean, I love my family, but I want to go to space. And they'll be so proud of me when they see me up there. <laughs> It'll inspire them. You know, some of us are uh, Will Rikers, and some of us are, like, uh, not. Some of us are Wesley Crushers. Uh, wow. So, okay. All right. All right. All right. We don't need if, to be. If, we don't need to be hey, that personal hey, with it now. I could be Will Wheaton on my worst day. You know what I'm saying? That's that's a bit. It's a bit much. I didn't say you're Will Wheaton. I said you're Wesley Crusher. Hey, this is very different. No, yeah, I'd definitely go to space. Would you go to space? I, I'd go to space. Yeah, I, I'd I'd love to walk on the moon. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah, you know, I think that'd be pretty neat. I mean, um, if, I, if I had the chance, you know, if I could, if I could do it, I think I that'd just, be. I think it'd be neat. I want to get up there so that I can look down and see finally that I was right and the world is flat. Uh, uh, this is I'm a flat earther. Like, I didn't tell you guys about that, right? Like I definitely believe that when you get Ooh. up there, the earth is just a big giant disc on the back of four elephants on the back of a giant space turtle. That's just known. This is, these are known facts. 
I read these on a Reddit thread that I would like to direct you guys to. I, I also read that history by Terry Pratchett. That is definitely 100% true. Uh-huh. And uh, is um, definitely not fantasy at all. So, yeah. That, of course, is our episode. Of course, thank you so much to Aaron for coming in, as always. Matt, if people want to get in touch with us or see if they can set up some times to play board games with us on Board Game Arena, where can they get in touch with us? Sure. You can find me on my new website, uh, flatearth.biz. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Now, you can find us on Instagram, at Dice Pirates. That's the best way to keep in touch with us. Uh, we're there all week long doing uh, fun and cool stuff, giving updates on what we're playing. Uh posting cool stuff to the Instagram story. I will say, kind of do a quick mea culpa. If you have uh, if you follow us and the account's been a little blando <laughs> for like the past like three weeks, I mean, obviously we all work and have lives. It's been real crazy. Uh, so I haven't been active on there. So I will promise to uh, get back onto the account and get it going again. So thanks for hanging in there with us. But in general, Ian, you can find us on Instagram <laughs> at Dice Pirates. We always do, of course, appreciate you guys listening, and we would love to hear from you guys. Keep an eye out, of course, next week for another Captain's Log, and in the next couple weeks, we, of course, have a new episode. we got lots of fun stuff to bring you, so keep an eye out for that, but until then, we'll be right here on the Dice Pirates. Dice Pirates.